Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14. We'll continue the course of our study of the book of 1 Samuel, and it's dealing with the history of the nation of Israel, and we're seeing, really, the kingship of Saul, and uh, we're seeing his failures. You know, the nation of Israel wanted a king to be like everybody else, and Samuel had been the judge. He was not a king, but he was the judge, and God said, okay, pick him a king, so to speak, and God allowed him to pick Saul, and he was so handsome. He was handsome. He was a head taller than anybody else. He looked just like the king you'd want. They'd say, oh, this is the king we've been wanting, but he has failed. He started out really good, and now we've seen for the last couple of weeks uh, that uh, Saul has, has made a number of mistakes, a number of things that it goes on. And as we look at this even passage this morning and as we continue on, we see a contrast between a man of faith and a man of flesh. The man of faith, of course, is going to be Jonathan. Saul is a man of the flesh, and we contrast with his son. That's Saul's son is Jonathan, and of course, King David is going to come later. Saul's the first king. David's going to be the second king. That's going to happen a little bit later on, but we'll see it as we go through it. And we're dealing, and in, in this is a sad time. Saul has not done well. He's not united the army. He's not done what he's supposed to do, and there is all kind of problems going on now. The Philistines have an army, huge numbers, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, all kind of army people. And they're coming, and the, and the nation of Israel had 3,000 to start with, and now they're down to 600 people. So it looks really bad. And, of course, Jonathan is Saul's son, and Jonathan is a man of faith, and we'll talk about him as we go through it. And as we see the battle this morning, we're going to see that Jonathan becomes the hero. And as we look at this, there is victory in God's power and defeat in man's power. And we're going to see the contrast between Jonathan being a man of faith and Saul being a man of the flesh. So we'll see it as we get through it. Let me give you something that happened in my life a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, you think about the nation of Israel about to fight these Philistines, and we say they don't have a chance. They can't possibly win. I can remember that, that sometimes they're upset. So I remember, uh, it was, I think it was my second year of coaching at Mississippi State. It was, I think, 1974 football. We, uh, we played the University of Florida on national television, in Jackson, Mississippi. Florida was ranked number one in the nation. We weren't ranked. Mississippi State had won, I think, one game in the last two years. So we we just started to, trying to turn the program around. And so we were playing University of Florida, ranked number one in the nation. Everybody said, you can't beat them. I mean, they're number one in the nation, and you're not good at all. And uh, we kicked off to them and stopped them. And then we got the ball, and then we scored, and then we scored again, and then we, and we beat them 38 to 12. And people went, wow, giant upset. And it was. It was a big upset. Well, this morning, you're going to see another big upset. And that's the nation of Israel with 600 troops going to be fighting the Philistines. The Philistines have weapons. The nation of Israel doesn't even have any weapons. And we're going to see what God does because he uses the man named Jonathan, but Jonathan is a man of faith. He's a great man, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see that God gives the victory. And let me just remind you of what's going on. There's the transition from the time of the judges. That was Samuel now to the time of the kings. That's Saul, and Saul started off so good, but he's failed. And let me tell you about his failure. He's done three things. He has failed to unite the nation. They've not come together. He has failed to unite the army. They're not really behind him. In fact, they all ran off. They've all gone, and he's failed to obey. Obey God, to obey God. And here's the two key things. We saw last week that Jonathan 
went and had a victory over the Philistines, but Saul is the one who claimed the glory. And this is what we're going to begin to see, that Saul is the man of the flesh. Saul is the man of glory. Saul wants the glory himself. Saul thinks it's all about him. And when Jonathan had a victory, Saul blew the trumpet and said, let everyone know that Saul has gained a victory. It was Jonathan who gained the victory. And then the second thing that we saw last time is that Samuel had told Saul, wait there, I will come and I will offer a sacrifice. Saul openly disobeyed God's word by offering the sacrifice himself. He was supposed to wait. Samuel was a priest. Samuel was supposed to offer it. Saul was not a priest. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And he didn't wait on Samuel and he did it. So he violated the scripture. Samuel said to him, your kingdom will not last because you've openly disobeyed God. And so we're going to begin to see the end of the kingdom of, of, of Saul. It's going to take a while. David hadn't even been anointed yet as the next king, and we'll see how all that happens. Well, we're in trouble. If, if we're there the Jews and we're right here and we're with Jonathan and Saul, we're in trouble. We only got 600 people. They got 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, no telling how many soldiers, and we don't have a chance to beat them. But here's the great truth. With faith, there's victory. With flesh, there's defeat. Listen, if, we, if when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit and we live according to the Word of God, we're going to have victory. When we live by the flesh, we're going to have defeat. Let me give you the outline of our passage this morning. We're going to look at these 30 verses. We'll go quickly through them. It's a narrative, of course. Jonathan attacks. We see what happens. We see his plan. We see Saul, Saul then joins the battle, and God sends a big earthquake. We see what happens there. And at the last, once again, right in the middle of Jonathan doing something, and good, Saul messes up again. Saul gives an oath, and we'll talk about what the oath is, and we'll talk about how that happens this morning. Well, when we think about John, let me just say this about Jonathan. I think he's one of the greatest people in the Bible. He is a man who loved God and obeyed God. He should have been the next king. If anything happened to King Saul, Jonathan was his son. He would be the next king. But Jonathan found out that David was going to be the next king. So what did Jonathan do? He said, David, are you going to be the king? I'll serve right under you. I'll be right with you. You're my best friend. He was a great man. We're going to see it as he goes through the scripture that Jonathan is one of the greatest men in the Bible. And what we're going to see this morning, Jonathan leads the nation to victory. So look at verse 1 of First Samuel chapter 14, and we'll go quickly through this passage. Verse 1 says, now the day they came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his young man who was carrying his armor, come and let's cross over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, here's, he's got a, an armor bearer. Let me tell you, if you're a soldier and you're a fighter, a lot, some of them had armor bearers, which were younger men who were also able to fight, but they carried some of the extra weapons and maybe an extra shield and things. They were called the armor bearer. The armor bearer is not a bad term because later on, we're going to find that David became the armor bearer for King Saul. And David was a great warrior. So being an armor bearer doesn't mean you're like a kid that just shows up. You're a warrior too, but you're helping this main warrior. So Jonathan has an armor bearer, and he says to his armor bearer, let's do this. Let's go over there and let's attack the Philistines. Let's see what God's going to do. But he did not tell his father. He didn't tell his father. Uh, Jonathan didn't tell his father Saul why. Well, maybe the relationship's not very good. We see some conflicts in it. And he thought maybe Saul would say no. Saul would say, no, you can't go over there. 
And Jonathan believes that God wants him to go there. And what we're actually seeing is Saul is waiting and Jonathan is acting. So look at verse 2 because we get background here in verse 2. It says, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is near Migron. And the people were with him were numbered about 600 men. Now that, that's all there is. And so here, here, let me give you an idea. Here's Gibeah. This is where Saul is. Here's Gibeah. That's one of the places. Mitmash. There's a, in between Mitmash and Gibeah is this kind of a, a, a rocky place on one side and a rocky place on another side and a valley in between. And we're going to see that's where a battle is about to take place. Saul has all his people here, and the Philistines are all over here. And what's going to happen? Look what he goes on to say. He gives us some information while he's there. He says... Um, and Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Ahinehas, the son of Eli, were the priests of the Lord at Shiloh wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Now, let me give you some information. They had, you can't tell it in this verse, we'll see it later, they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember the last time the Jewish people took the Ark of the Covenant out to battle? Anybody remember what happened? Philistines defeated him and stole the ark and took it off. And he was with the Philistines for seven different months, seven months. So they're not supposed to take the ark with them. They have the priest with them. And let me tell you one thing, and you'll see it as we go through the passage. A priest had, had a hat, had a thing that stuck up, and then there was a metal thing right here, and it had holy to the Lord written across the front of it. Then they had this long robe that came down, and then they had this thing that fit over, and it came down to about right there, and in the middle of it was a little square thing, and it had 12 emerald, 12, 12 stones. Each one had the name of a nation, of, of a tribe of Israel on it for the 12 tribes. We think that up above this, there were like, and this is going to sound a little funny, but there were like two little pockets. And inside those pockets were a thing called the Urim and the Thummim. And we think they were stones. We're not sure what they were. The Bible never explains what they were, but they were some way that they could use that to get information from God. So they could ask God a question, and from the Urim and Thummim, those stones they could get an answer. So they've got the priest with them, they've got the ark with them, and everything's ready to go. And so look what happens. It, between, it says, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp crag on one side and a sharp crag on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sinai. And the crag rose on the north toward Mishmash, and the other side south toward Geba. And of course, we say that doesn't mean anything to us because we don't know those places, but here they are. Jonathan is going to leave here and go to here, and the Philistines are up here, and in between is these two crag, crags on each side, and so he, there's going to be a battle right there. Jonathan has taken his armor bearer, just two people, and they're sneaking over to fight the Philistines. Now, we could say, that's not very smart. And if you're the armor bearer and, and, and Jonathan says to you, let's go fight him, you could say, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a very good idea. But he's going to say, whatever you say goes, we're going to do it. And Jonathan believes that God is going to give them the victory. Now, Jonathan's ready to fight. Saul's not ready to fight. And we're going to see what happens. Look at verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. Now, he actually says that we, we got a plan. 
We got a plan, and let's, let's go over there, and the Lord, God, God will work. He'll do this. He's not limited to say by many or a few. It, listen, he says, God can do it if we had thousands of soldiers, and God can do it if we have just a few soldiers. And the truth is this. The way we live the Christian life is not in our strength. It's God through us. And it doesn't matter. God can take us and use us for his glory. Now, he calls them the uncircumcised because we know that all Jewish males, on the eighth day they're born, were circumcised. That's the sign of the covenant. So to call somebody uncircumcised means they're not Jewish. They're not part of God's chosen people. And we might say today, those heathens, that's how we might say it, because they called them uncircumcised. So Jonathan says, let's go over there. And let's get them. And of course, I said a while ago, if you're the armor bearer, you could say, Let, let's wait. Let's don't go. I mean, because, you, you know, you got two guys and you're fixing to buy, fight a whole bunch of Philistines or so you think you are. You don't know what's going to happen. But look what the armor bearer says in verse 7. His armor bearer said to him, do that all is in your heart. Turn yourself and I am here with you according to your desire. He says, we'll do it. Then it says this. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. And, and he's, he says, we're going to have a sign. God's going to give us a sign. Here's the sign. If they say to us, verse 9, if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we'll stand in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we'll go up for the Lord has given them into our hands and this shall be a sign to us. He says, here's what happens. If the Philistines say, hey, we'll come down to you, we'll just stand there and we won't go fight them. But if the Philistines say, come on up here, then God has given them into our hands. This is the sign from God. So Jonathan says, when we get there and we see them, we'll, we'll stand up, they'll look at us and we'll say, we're over here. And if they say to us, you stay down there, we're coming after you, we won't fight them. But if they say, hey, you come up here, we'll go up there and we'll get them. And the armor bearer says, that sounds great to me. And so, you know, you and I would go, that didn't sound too smart to me. There's just two of us, a bunch, a whole bunch of them. But it says God has given them to our hands. He believes that God is going to give them the victory because he's a man of faith. Now watch what happens. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said... Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. Well, they reveal themselves to the, the, the Philistines. Now, you remember that when the Philistines started winning, uh, Saul had a big army, then they all left. Then he only had 3,000 people. Now, most of them have left. He's only got 600 men. It says that the Jewish people went and hid in caves, in holes in the ground. They even crossed over the Jordan River, got to the other side. So they've all ran and hid. So when the Philistines see them, look what they say. Oh, Hebrews are coming out of the holes with them hidden themselves. They're making fun of them. They're saying, oh, you're finally crawling out of the ground? You finally want to fight us? And so look what happens then. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. You remember the sign? If they say, come up there, we're supposed to go fight them. If they don't, we don't fight them. Well, they said, come up here, and it says, and we'll tell you something. <laughs> I love that. We'll tell you something. Come up here, and we'll tell you something. They said, yeah, we'll kill you is what we're going to do. And so what happens is, so they climbed up the side. Notice, notice the next verse. Uh, so the uh, men of Garrison in verse 12 says, come up here, and Jonathan says, we'll go fight them. Verse 13, then Jonathan climbed up 
on his hands and feet. He's climbing up the side and his armor bearer behind him. And they fell. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer put to death after them. Though, so look what happened. They climbed up. I have that, found this picture of uh, them climbing up. And, and, and here's another drawing of them climbing up, you know, because they're coming up that sharp crag. And what's amazing is, of course, the Philistines are sitting there and they think they got this thing won. There's at least 20 Philistines at the top there. And they're watching Jonathan crawl up there. And, you know, they could throw stuff down again. They said, oh, we'll get them. Just let them, let them come on up. Let them come all the way up and then we'll kill them when they get here. Well, what happened when they got up? It says, Jonathan climbed up his hands and feet and his armor bearer behind him and they fell. They, the Philistines, fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer put some to death after him. They began to kill him. And Jonathan is winning. And watch what happens. And so verse, uh, it says, the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within a half a furrow and a hake of land. So Jonathan got up there and there were at least 20 of them and Jonathan and his armor bearer killed all 20 of them. Now there were two of them and 20 of them. Now, so that's 10 apiece, but most likely Jonathan probably said, hey, I got 14, how many did you get? You know, I mean, we're killing them, wiping them out. And you know what's fixing to happen. The Philistines are fixing to come because they hear the fighting. And they're realizing their people are getting defeated. They don't know how many soldiers are there. So the Philistines are about to come. And look what God does. Verse 15. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled. And the earth quaked, so that it became a great trembling. God brings an earthquake. Right in the middle of this little battle, all of a sudden the earth begins to quake. And what he's going to do, he's going to scare all the Philistines. He's going to shake them all up. He's going to mess them all up. He brings this earthquake and it's going to cause a trembling, as it says here, and it's going to cause a problem. Now, let's go back to the camp where Saul is, because Saul didn't know that Jonathan left. He, he, he doesn't know what's happened. So look, verse 16. Now Saul's watchman in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went here and there. Now the watchman was looking, and he could see all the Philistine soldiers, and all of a sudden he saw they begin to, like, run away. And he went, what? And he called them, look, the Philistines are, like, running away. They're melting away. The big crowd of them is melting away. And Saul goes, what, what is going on? Wait a minute. Who? Who left? Who's over there? And Saul said to the people who were with him in verse 17, Number now and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer are not there. And, and I think Saul is all upset. God's going before him to give him the victory. Saul is all upset. He said, did somebody leave without my permission? Did somebody go over there without my permission? That's what he's saying. And they say, yeah, we, we counted. Who's, who's gone? Well, your son and his armor bearer. Now, what's, what's Saul going to do? Well, it looks like he's going to do something good. Watch. Verse 18. Then Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God was at that time with the sons of Israel. What is Saul going to do? It looks like he's going to go to God. Now, remember, he's got the ark there, but you remember the priest has the Urim and the Thummim in their, in their thing. Now, watch what happens. That's the Urimin and Thurman, Urimin and Thurman, uh, Thurman, ways of getting information from God. He's going to ask for information, but watch what happens. Watch what happens. While Saul talked to the priest, the commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. 
What does he mean? He's saying, withdraw your hand. Forget it. Forget it. We're not going to talk to God. That's what he's saying. He said, uh, find out what God wants us to do. And as the priest starts to put his hand down in there to get either the Urim or the Thummim out, Saul finally goes, no, just forget it. Pull back your hand. Forget it. He's too busy. He's too busy. He's too busy to check with God. He's too busy because he's not interested. He wants to do his own thing. And sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we say, I'm too, right now I don't have time to study. Right now I don't have time to have a quiet time. Right now I don't have time to pray. Right now I don't have time for this. We can be too busy if we're not careful for what God has for us. Well, anyway, what did Saul decide to do? They decided to go fight. And Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. Now who's leading this battle? Jonathan's leading the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now, you've got to remember this verse. Who's got the swords? If you remember from last week, I didn't bring it up this week. Who's got the swords? The Philistines have the swords. The Jewish people don't even have swords. So when it says every sword was against his fellow, the Philistines begin to fight each other and kill each other. Now, God has that happen a number of times in the Bible that he'll make the enemy get confused and even kill themselves. So here comes Saul with his 600 soldiers. Here's Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they are fighting the Philistines. And the Philistines have this giant earthquake. They get all scared. They get all confused. And before you know it, they're killing themselves. It says, and every fellow's sword was against his own fellow, and there was great confusion. God is giving the victory. And then look what happened. Now, the Hebrews who, had, who, who were with the Philistines previously, who went up with them all around the camp, even they turned out to be with the Israelites, and who, they were with Saul and Jonathan. And then all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard the Philistines had fled. Even they pursued them in battle. So the Jewish soldiers who had left and got scared and ran off, when the fight begins and the Philistines begin to run off, they join the battle for the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people are winning the battle. And this looks so good. Look at verse 23, because this is the key. So the Lord delivered Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond Bethlehem. Do you understand? The Lord delivered the people. God gives the victory. It wasn't Jonathan. Jonathan would tell you, it wasn't me, it was God. Saul didn't get the victory, God gives the victory. Now, if you ask Saul, Saul would say, yeah, it was me. Jonathan says, no, it's God. Saul says, it's me. You say, how do you know that? Look at the next verse. Now, the men of Israel were hard-pressed on that day. Why? For Saul had put the people under oath, saying, cursed be the man who eats food before evening until I have avenged myself on my enemies, so none of the people tasted food. Now, I want you to stop and think what happens in the middle of our lives. And by, by the way, I, let me come back to this for just a second. God gives the victory in our Christian lives. We have to depend on God and his power to gain the victory. That's the only way. Well, Saul makes this foolish oath. We call it the foolish oath because what he really says is, nobody can eat anything until the battle is over and we've defeated the enemy. Well, sometimes in the battle, they, they needed to eat. They needed to get some nourishment. They needed to get some strength because they've been fighting and there's a small number of them and they're chasing the Philistines. And Saul, instead of telling them, go after them, he says, you can't eat anything until I get my vengeance. Now, I want you to look at that. Saul is saying it's his vengeance and his enemy. Who gets vengeance? Vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to us. 
Now watch what happens. He makes this foolish oath, and he tells people that if anybody eats anything until the battle is over, they're under a curse. Now you know what that meant? That meant if you violated the oath of Saul, you got killed. He was going to kill you when you got back, if you ate. Now, let's stop and think. Saul, you're real smart. You know that? He's not real smart. He let his soldiers not get nourishment to fight the enemy. The better shape they're in, the more they eat, the more they're ready to fight, the more they're going to win. Well, look what happens. Verse 24, now all the men of Israel were hard-pressed. That means they didn't feel good. For Saul had put them under an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food before the evening until I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. He makes a foolish oath. And I want you to understand something. God is the one that gives the victory, not Saul. And God is the one who gets the vengeance, not man. Listen, we don't get revenge. Let me just say one thing. People do us wrong. Somebody's going to do you wrong. If they haven't done you wrong yet, they will do you wrong. Don't worry. They will do you wrong. And your first impulse is to get them back. Your first impulse is, they did me wrong. That's not right. I'm going to get them back. The Bible says vengeance belongs to the Lord. You don't get them back. You might say, well, if I don't get them back, they're going to get away with it. They don't get away with it. God does not let anyone get away with anything. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. If somebody does you wrong, leave it in God's hands. In fact, the Bible says never return evil with evil. Return evil with what? With good. Okay, so John, Saul is wanting vengeance. God is the one who gets the vengeance. Verse 25, all the people of the land entered the forest, and it was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, and it was this flow of honey, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared this whole thing. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And by the way, uh, the, the battle is the Lord's. So uh, let me bring it back to here for a second. They get into the forest, and there's honey all over the ground. Honeycombs have fallen out of the trees. There's honey everywhere. And instead of eating, they all go, gosh, I could eat that. Oh, it would be so good. But I can't do it because there's this oath that says if anybody eats something till the battle's over, then we're going to die. So I don't want to die, but I'm sure am. That sure does look good. So look what happened. But Jonathan had not heard when his father put the people under oath. Why wasn't he? Because he wasn't there. He was out doing the battle. Therefore, he put the end of his staff that was in his hand, dipped it into the honeycomb, put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes brightened. Now, he ate it. He ate it. He, he, dipped, he dipped his uh, hand, staff in the honey, and his eyes brightened. Here's what he did. He had his staff, and he saw the honey, so he dipped it down, then took it up, and he went, man, that is, oh, I feel a lot better. I feel like I could fight a lot more. Everybody else is going, we wish we could eat it. Well, why don't you eat it? Well, your daddy said, if anybody eats it, they're going to die. You could see Jonathan go, that was stupid. What kind of idea was that? I mean, I tasted it. I feel great. And in fact, I'm really ready to fight even better. Look what he says. The, the Verse 28, the people, one of the people said, your father strictly put the people under oath saying, cursed be the man who eats food today. And the people were weary. What does Jonathan say? Jonathan said, my father's troubled the land. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little bit of this honey. How much more if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of the enemies which they found. For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been Great. He says, if we could have just eaten, we would have felt a lot better. We could have really 
really defeated the Philistines. We could have done so much more. He says, Saul has troubled the land. This is not a good thing. Saul has brought trouble to his own soldiers. It seems like every time Saul does something now, it's contrary to what God wants. Jonathan said, if we could, we could have done even more if we'd had opportunity to eat, we could be strengthened. We could have really routed the Philistines. Saul, in his pride for himself, actually limited the victory. What did he say? Nobody can eat till I get my vengeance. Saul, wanting glory for himself, actually limited the victory. The glory belongs to the Lord. Whenever God uses us, whenever he lets us do something, whenever he lets us do something great, or, or anything, if we get to lead somebody to Christ, you get to teach, you get to love somebody, you get to help somebody, you don't say, it's what I did. You say, the Lord used me. That's all. God gets the glory. Next time we're going to see Saul's oath, and we're going to see what it did. It led to sin by the people. We're going to see it next week, and we're going to see it almost cost Jonathan his life. Jonathan, one of the greatest men in the Bible, is going to almost be put to death because he ate honey and he didn't know about the oath. Wow. So let me give you some applications. We'll go quickly. Let's be men and women who live by faith and not by the flesh. I mean, that's the key. We have to do that. We have to live in God's power by the word of God. We take God at his word. We live by the scripture. I mean, that's the only way. That's what, that's what men and women of faith are as we go back to the Bible. It's always twofold. It's God's word in God's power. That's how we live, and that's what we want to do. We want to know the word. We want to live in the power, and we want to trust God. We can have victory. So let's be men and women who live by faith, living by the word of God. Second is, let's make sure that God always gets the glory. He is our strength and our shield. He is the one we glorify. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen. what? Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, do what? Glorify God in your bodies, in our lives. God always gets the glory. We should thank him every day. Thank you, Lord, for letting me wake up. Thank you for giving me this day. Lord, use me. Use me to touch lives for you, and you get all the glory. That's what we should do. The second application, let's make sure we're not too busy for God. Because Saul said, bring, bring, bring the priest, bring the ark. And then he went, ah, no, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. And sometimes we say, I don't have time for my quiet time. You know, that's when I get up and I just read the Bible and maybe pray and stuff like that. But I don't have time for that. Well, I don't have time to study. I mean, that's when I actually dig the scripture and I look at it and I look at the verse and I observation, interpretation, application. I do all that stuff. But I don't have time to do that. I don't really have time to pray. You know, I just don't have, I mean, I got to get to work. I mean, I know I got up a little bit late. I should have got up earlier, but I got to get to work. I got to do this. Let's make sure we're not too busy for God. Let's make sure we're not too busy for God. Let's keep our word. The vows are hard things. We're going to see that Saul made a vow, and it was a, 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 an oath, and it was a, a very a bad one, an unwise one. And he put all the people under it, and the people who heard it actually obeyed it because they said, well, we can't eat until the battle's over. Jonathan, who didn't hear it, ate. And we're going to see what Saul does. Uh, let's keep our word. When we make a vow, God expects us to keep it. So may we do that.